Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? There's no place I'd rather be. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Let's give him thanks. Let's really give him thanks. We worship you today, Holy Father. There's none like you, Jesus, in all of the earth. We glorify you. We count ourselves blessed to be in your house today. Why don't we pray that somebody will be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Let's ask that God will renew some people in his spirit today. God, that's the reason we've gathered, to see you do what you do best and save somebody in this house today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord again. And I, I, I give honor to Pastor and Sister Bradford. And it's really a pleasure and a treat to be in the house of the Lord today with Sister Blotto and her sisters. And I know they all have their individual names, but this weekend they're just known as Sister Blotto's sisters. She just did such a wonderful job yesterday at Sister Bradford, the ladies' conference. God bless you all. Amen. I know it was good because my wife came home or back up to the evangelist quarters, and I knew if there would have been dishes, I could have said, baby, would you do the dishes? And she would have done them. Hallelujah. Amen. Instead of making me do them, praise God. No, I'm just messing. Amen. Well, and it's also a very special treat for us to uh, be in church today with a very uh, longtime family friend, Aunt Sherry, sitting by uh, said Brother Ward's cousin. Amen. Aunt Sherry, what a pleasure it is to see you today. God bless you. Amen. Isn't God good today? There is nobody like him. And, and, and I, I woke up this morning thinking you never make a wrong turn when you come to the house of the Lord. Amen. And, and I'm thankful to be here. I've got to say I'm in a really different gear this morning. And I've, I've thought about this. This probably message might be good for a Tuesday night. But I just prayer and seeking after God, feel like I need to teach it, preach it uh, today. Somebody may be wondering what the difference is between teaching and preaching. I think it's about an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, something like that. So I hope you had a good breakfast today. <laughs> oh, praise God. Boy, I'm going to get in trouble if I'm not careful. Help me, Jesus. Praise God. Turning in our Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, the 46th chapter. Amen. Ezekiel, the 46th chapter. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture today, and that is verse number 9. Verse number 9. Thank you, Pastor Bradford, for that song, that wonderful hymnal that you sang this morning. If you found it, won't you say amen? amen. But when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feasts, he that entereth by the way of the north gate to worship shall go by the way of the south gate. And he that entereth by the way of the south gate shall go forth by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. The main objective of every time you come to the house of the Lord is to leave different than the way you came. I don't know what you might have brought into the house today. Maybe financial issues that are on your mind. 
Maybe the load of sin is on your back, but you can go over against it today. You might have come in with your head hanging down, but you can leave with your hands lifted up and a thank you on your lips. Thank God I came to the house of the Lord today, and I'm going to leave different. Oh, clap your hands. If you plan to leave different today, then the way you came, oh, hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. You can be seated. Very interesting and peculiar science was popularized and practiced in the ancient world. Started in China and moved over to India and into Greece and was later revived in Egypt in the late 12th century. This science was known as the as alchemy. It gave way to the development of pharmacology and, and to the rise of chemistry. The philosophy of an alchemist was to literally change any substance into that of gold by way of transmutation. Boy, I feel smart up here. I got that right off of Google. Don't I sound good today? <laughs> Thank God for Google. <laughs> I'm, I ought to read that again. Transmutation. Boy, I feel, I'm feeling good up here today. Praise God. The ultimate goal of an alchemist, number one, is to change any metal into substance, into any metal, into gold, and to, and to achieve ultimate, un, unprecedented wealth. And the second goal of an ultimist is to, or the alchemist is to discover the means to indefinite, prolonged life. Gold making in that century was something else. And I really feel like Perhaps in Shakespeare's play of the, uh, I forget what it was, but uh, he, he said not everything that glitters is gold. you got to be careful because there's some alchemists out there that, that maybe have their hands on some glittery spray paint. And they'll paint that aluminum and sell it to you as if it was gold. And you got to be careful because not everything that glitters is gold. I remember when I was uh, looking for a wife. And oh, thank God, he helped me. But I remember my mom saying, not everything with, uh, with curls is pretty. You got to look beyond the surface and make sure uh, that what you find is really gold. Man, it was the Lord that said to the church of Laodicea, you're trying to transact something in the heavenly realm, and you think you're rich, and you think you've got all the gold that you need, Laodicea. But I'm going to tell you that you need to change your exchange. You need to change your currency. Because here in the heavenly realm, I operate in a whole different way. And so he said, I counsel you, Laodicea, to buy of me gold that's been tried in the fire. You see, in this economy of the heavenly realm that does not operate on what you have and what you see in your pocket, but it relies and it operates on gold that's been tried in the fire. On gold that's been touched by a heavenly element. Oh, I'm feeling really good. I ain't even on page two yet. Amen. I'm feeling good. You see, this economy operates, number one, on faith. On faith. 
on faith. And don't talk to me about how good your daddy was or how good your mommy was. How much you gave into the coffers of those that are in need this week. I want to know, do you have faith? Because it is faith that makes this kingdom operate. And it operates on prayer. It doesn't operate on what you look like. It doesn't operate on how nice your suit is, how nice your tie is. But I want to know, do you have faith and do you have prayer? Have you prayed this week and have you been faithful to prayer? My goodness, buy of me gold tried in the fire. That's what gold is. There are some alchemists in this world that would say you just got to shake a preacher's hand. I'm here to tell you that not everything that glitters is gold. There would be some, why don't you come to the front and accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Not everything that glitters is gold. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we heard it this morning. The way into the kingdom is by repentance at an altar. Baptism. In Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get gold tried in the fire. Oh, somebody clap your hands this morning. The greatness of God was literally on display. Picking up the story in the first chapter of Exodus, it says this that there arose a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph, this man, this Pharaoh, began to notice, my goodness, an ever-increasing number of a race that was unfamiliar to Egypt. My, my, never underestimate the power of one. Never underestimate the power of one. You see, it's because this man, Jacob, one man, who gave birth to 12 sons. And those 12 sons grew to 70. And we pick up the story, and from those 70, it says that they were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them from one to 12 to 70, to a mighty number. Boy, that sounds like the power of my Jesus. Just one man that was walking the earth that got 12 disciples. And from that 12 to 70 disciples and 120 that were gathered in the upper room. And by the time the story's over in Acts 5 and 28, they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you may think you're alone coming to this sanctuary today, but I want to tell you, never underestimate the power of your decision because it is the way of God to multiply you, to make you fruitful in the land that he has brought you to. It is the spirit of Egypt to, to persecute, to, to squelch, and to shut down. But it's the nature of the kingdom of God to grow, to multiply, and to become fruitful. My goodness. Whoa, somebody say that's good teaching this morning. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 9 and 7. Of the increase, the increase, the growth, the multiplication of his government and of peace. There's going to be no end. Once you join this race and once you join this kingdom, brother, you're going up. You're going to multiply. You're going to grow. There's going to be family that's added to you. There's going to be growth that's added to you. There's going to be love that's added to you. You may feel like you're giving up everything, but I'm telling you, you ain't giving up nothing because when God puts his hand on it, it begins to multiply. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, I got I to gotta meddle just a little bit. I remember old Pharaoh, he finally told Moses, it's all right. You guys can go ahead and worship, but make sure you leave a couple of things here that you might come back. And Moses stood flat-footed, and, and he looked Moses eye to eye. He looked Pharaoh eye to eye and said, not one hoof is going to be left behind. Here in 2020, this past year, I was even driving with the pastor last week looking for buildings. And he said, oh, Brother Hopkins, this building right here, the pastor said, we're finally, we're just going to shut down. And we're not going to have church here anymore, but not in God's kingdom. 2020 may have hurt the denominal world, but everywhere I travel, Pastor Bradford, there are pastors telling me this has been the best year. And so when Egypt says we're going to squelch the church, God says, oh, you got another thing coming, devil, of the increase of my government. There will be no end. Oh, yeah, I remember old Pharaoh tried to tell us, it's all right if you go ahead and worship, but when you get to the house of God, don't sing. I'm here to tell you, Pharaoh, not one hoof. You're not going to interrupt my worship. You're not going to interrupt the way I come to church, but I'm going to go, and God is going to raise up a standard. <laughs> my, my, Egypt wants to afflict, and we see it again and again, the spirit of Egypt that prevailed through the church in the book of Acts, and even is trying to prevail in the church of the 21st century. But the more they persecute, the more God multiplies. The more they try to shut us up, the louder the voice of God speaks. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My goodness, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so they made the people to serve with great rigor. He made the people to serve in such a way that it got so hard. You want me to tell you what's happening right now? Amen. Boy, this is, this is bad. I hate Apple. Yeah, I rebuke you, Pharaoh. I'm trying to mess up my notes. Hold on, it's going to be good. Don't worry. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. <laughs> Praise God. I should be nervous, but I don't know. I'm really not. And so God called this man by the name of Pharaoh, who finally, through an unbelievable circumstance and through unbelievable means, brought deliverance to the people of God. The plagues begin to unfold, and we see this, this, this alchemy that takes place, water that's turned to blood and frogs that are turned to lice, until finally there comes a passing over. There comes a passing over 
over, over Egypt. And, and there is deliverance that comes. I want to tell somebody today, just like God was able to deliver the people of Israel. I don't know what you've come with today, but my God is still a deliverer. He wants to set you free, and he wants to make you whole. There is no drug addiction too hard for God. There is no pornography addiction too hard for God. My God is still a deliverer. When it came down to it, Moses began to talk about this deliverance. In Exodus, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 5, he began to sing a song that the Lord has triumphed gloriously. His horse and his rider hath he cast into the sea. The Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. And you move on down to verse number 7, and he says, In the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Amen. No weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. No weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. Oh my. Somebody hear that right now. Somebody hear that right now. We serve a God that is able. And so Nehemiah picking up this story in Nehemiah 9 and 6 he says thou art Thou, thou, even thou art Lord alone, and thou hast made the heaven, and the heavens of heaven, and their hosts, and the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas, and all that are therein. Thou preservest them all, the host of heaven worships thee. Now, therefore, our God, great and mighty and terrible God, who keepest the covenant and mercy, for how great is thy goodness, and how great is his beauty, how great thou heart and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. And when we look at this great God that's able to change and able to deliver, we look at this, and then and I, I, I'm going to look at Psalm 8, and he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. And we come down to the place where he's acknowledging God and extolling God, and he stops everything and says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Because man at his best state is altogether full of vanity. In Romans 7 and 18, the apostle Paul said, I know me that in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. God, you're great and God, you're a deliverer. But how is it that you're looking down at this sanctuary this morning full of sinners? And I feel that, that pulsating word that the apostle Paul said, I would do good, but evil is present with me. I would do that which is right, and I make up my mind to do that which is right, but I cannot. And finally, in shambles, he looks down at himself and says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now, as I was feeling after the Lord this morning, I was, I was feeling after the Lord preparing for this message. Even last night I heard that in the spirit. There are those in the house this morning that are dealing with hard things, that are dealing with an evil taskmaster that's trying to bust you down and trying to squelch you down. And you have that question in your mind, what and who is going to deliver me from the body of this death? Amen. I've come this morning with such a simple idea and a simple thought. 
that have come with the answer. If you'll bear with me, with me for the next few moments. There was a science, Russian scientist by the name of Dmitry who decided he was going to look at the development of our canine friends, of those things that we, we called dogs that were born from the line of wolves. And so he took to himself two foxes, trailed a gaggle of them, and he chose out the two most docile-looking foxes. And he bred those two foxes. And then from that litter, he chose the most docile one from that, and, and he bred them again. For 52 generations, Dimitri worked to find and to try to tame these foxes. Read in that paper that after 52 generations, he began to notice something. The ears of that fox were beginning to flop over. And the tail of that fox got fluffy, and it got curly. But when Dimitri looked into the eyes of that fox, there was something that was still off. And he said, you could never, ever, I want you to hear me this morning, you could never change my mind. going to remain wild. And my message this morning is simple. You cannot change your nature. But what you need is to be made into a new creature. You're dealing with things and you've been to so many alchemists, AA and so many others. But what God is telling you is that I can take the man that you are, and I'm not going to reshape it, but I am going to absolutely change you into a new creature. My, my, my. As the music comes, let's raise our hands right now. Somebody ask that God will make them into a new creature. Psalm 51, David was absolutely brought to face to face with his nature. And what does he do but call on the creator of the ends of the earth? And he says, create in me, not remake in me, but he says, create, create in me. A clean heart. I don't need my life to be rearranged. But I need the creator to take something out of his treasuries. And put it in my heart. And I like how the writer Ezekiel said... I will take you from among the heathen. I'm going to gather you out of all countries. I'm going to bring you into your own land. I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you, and you're going to be clean. And he says, a new heart. A new heart also I'm going to give you. And a new spirit I'm going to put in you. And I'm going to take away that stony heart and I'm going to put my spirit
spirit in you. I could never live that way. You're right. You can't. But when God takes that stone heart out of you, you don't need an alchemist to change you. You need a I remember the telling of a story a man was fighting. He said, I had this dream that came to me again and again. He said, I was fighting with all of my strength. I was fighting. I would finally get on top of my opponent. And I would begin to win. But my opponent would get a resurgence of strength put his hands around my neck and begin to squeeze me. And night after night I would wake up out of breath. And I'd kneel on my bed and I'd pray. And I'd go to sleep. Night after night this was happening. Until finally one night I couldn't take it anymore. He said, I prayed and I rebuked the adversary and I went to bed. My goodness. And he said, that dream came to me again, but it was different this time. Oh, it was different this time. Because at the end, when my opponent started to squeeze the breath out of me, I opened my eyes. And that face was of him that I look at every day in the mirror. He realized my greatest adversary is not from without, but my greatest adversary this time when he knelt down by the side of his bed, he said, God, I want you to deliver me from me. I could not help but feel preparing for this time together today that there are some men and women that are in the fight of their lives and you've mislabeled your enemy. Your enemy is not your father, your mother, your coworker. Your greatest enemy is the old man. Choking the life out of you. And you've got to come to a place where you say, God, I need you to intervene. I need you to change 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 me it's so interesting to me as I read my Bible the scripture says that we are changed into his image from glory to glory you may have lived for God for a very long time 
but you're finding yourself dealing with secret and besetting sins. You've got to be changed this morning. You've got to be changed this morning. I feel two gentle nail-scarred hands that are reaching out and saying, would you ask me Somebody to go from just this former glory and to enter in into a new dimension, into a new place. I'm so off my notes right now, but I don't care. I'm reaching for hearts. I'm reaching for old hearts that are stained with sin. And God's saying, would you just come to me? He's not worried about your past, but he's concerned about your future. He's not worried about you, what you've done and what you're doing. He's worried about what you're going to do. And it all begins when you realize, God, would you make me into a new creature? Would you make me into a new creature? As we stand this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, Let's kneel after the Lord right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I feel like doing this this morning. Is there somebody that has an honest heart that says, I need help today? Nobody's looking around, just this preacher, and I'm going to pray for you. Would you raise your hand and say, I need to be made into a new creation? I need to be made into a new creation. I'm tired of dealing with these addictions. I'm tired of dealing with these besetting sins. <laughs> there are so many honest hearts and hands lifted this morning. I'm telling you the creator's in the house right now. I feel like we've entered into the creative workshop today. God wants to change you. God wants to change. As the singers begin to sing and the music plays, let's gather into this altar call today. I'm inviting those honest souls. Nobody's judging you. We've all been there. God, would you change me?